The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. He said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Through the words of the Gospel, may our sins be wiped away. Has anybody here ever just gone through a completely miserable stretch of time? And when that was happening, did you find yourself thinking, what on earth did I do to deserve this? This isn't confession, so don't raise your hands. <laughs> Let's start right there. People we hear in our gospel reading came to Jesus with the report of tragedies that have happened. And the lingering question, the question that hangs in the air when things like this pass is, what did they do to bring this on themselves? It's an important question. It's not simply a question we ask about other people. It's a question we ask when life goes south for us. Two. And so let's pause on this question which all of us know to some painful extent in our own lives. A couple generations back, it was something of a commonplace here in these United States to speak of something that we culturally identified as the American Protestant work ethic. And notice we didn't say it was the Catholic work ethic. Um, and because it came from a certain strain of Protestant thinking. And it was this Calvinistic idea that before you were born, you were predestined either for heaven or for hell. And pretty much you were just moving through life, but the outcome had already been decided. And so people were wondering, they were preoccupied, which way am I going? I don't know. 
what is the sign that I'm going the right way? And the sign was material prosperity, blessing. And so what did we do? We worked very hard to get the sign that I'm moving the right way. But note the attitude. If you are blessed, it must be saying something about how good you are. That your life is going in the right course. If you are prosperous, if you are successful, clearly God's favor is upon you. And the implication is, if you're not, I'm sorry about your luck. And if we pause with that, that's absolutely chilling because on the one hand, it led to a certain frantic economic energy. And yet look what it was saying about so many of us. If you know hardship, there must be something wrong with you. If you bear the cross of serious and chronic illness, there's something wrong with you. If your business failed, if your marriage has broken up, it says something about you and it doesn't say something good. This is the issue that Jesus is addressing in this gospel reading and note how important it is. Note how important it is because for most of human history, we forget this, we take Christianity too much for granted. For most of human history, this is the way every single culture in the world viewed the sick, the weak, the suffering, and the struggling, as if your value is less and your life is not as good because you're not successful, because you suffer because you're wounded. It's a sign that something is wrong with you. In fact, this is one of the things victims of abuse often struggle with. We can't understand why someone we trusted would hurt us in this way, and so what do we do? There must be something wrong with me that this happened. Somehow, it's my And so Jesus speaks now his word into this reality, into this reality that lives all too easily in our hearts, into this reality that is still all too well alive in our world today. In fact, the single greatest reason why so many of our sick and our elderly request assisted suicide is not because they suffer. It's because they're afraid they've become a burden. And they identify themselves as nothing more than a burden. It's the same attitude that is lingering in those questions now that are brought to Jesus. Look at what happened to them. And so Jesus stops and says, Oh, let's just dial that back down. Do you think because this happened to them, it means somehow they're worse people than you are? And by implication that you're better? 
Do you think for a minute that these things, because they happen, are because God is about some silly and petty little tit-for-tat? Where if you do a bad thing, automatically there's a bad reaction. Do you really believe that, the Lord says? And consider the Lord who is saying this, because he knows in just a short time, his hands are going to be stretched out on a cross and nails are going to be driven through them. And he knows very well his innocence. And so note how important this is. So the Lord says, no. The only thing you can learn from what has happened to these individuals is that you can't predict the final moment of your life. It comes for everybody. But you're not going to know when. And so the issue is, what are you doing with the life that you've been given now? So the Lord now continues, because he's implying as well, if you think because you're successful, that's the unambiguous sign that God loves you, you're wrong. If you think because you're prosperous, that's the unambiguous sign that God loves you, you're wrong. It's not that God doesn't provide prosperity from time to time. But again, it's not as a reward for goodness. The Lord is not that petty. So Jesus says, consider this. There was a man who had a fig tree. And he planted the fig tree for one reason only. He likes figs. And if you plant a fig tree because you like figs, when it's the season to produce figs, you go to the tree with your basket and you expect figs because you're looking forward to the fruit from the tree. Unfortunately, this tree was a continual disappointment. It was given a prominent place in the garden. It was blessed. It was watered. It was blessed. It was valued. It was blessed. Note how all of our earthly benchmarks of success are here in the tree. But this tree that was blessed with the favor of the gardener never gave him any fruit, despite all the blessings. And the owner of the tree now, after years of this, note it's years, it's not just once, it's persistent, the tree refuses to be fruitful. He looks to his gardener and he says, all right, chop that bad boy down, we're done. And the gardener comes and says, wait, 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 wait. One more year. Just one more year. For some reason, the gardener really likes this tree. I already cut it down a long time ago. But the gardener really likes this tree, and so he says, one more year, and I'll even be better to it. I'll fertilize it. 
I'll water it extra. I'll prune it back. I'll give it even more care. I'll bless it even more. In the hope that maybe it will bear fruit. And note the Lord now giving this contrast. But sooner or later, the opportunity to give the fruit is going to come to an end. And the Lord says our lives are like that. The real question is not looking at bad things and saying, what did I do to deserve it? Or what did he or she do to deserve it? Or looking at blessings and saying, oh my, I so deserve it. You ever notice that we always do that? Something good happens to somebody and immediately our reaction is, oh, you deserve it. Honestly, no. We don't deserve much. If God was about giving us what we deserve, we'd all be a bunch of ash piles. God gives us better than we deserve. We start there. We start there. And so Jesus now looks at his disciples. He gives them the parable of the tree, and he says, the question is this. Are you going to bear fruit for the kingdom or aren't you? That's the real issue. The real issue is not what prosperity do you have. The real issue is not what suffering you're going through. The real issue is whether you suffer or whether you're prosperous. Are you bearing fruit for the Lord? That's the real issue. Because everyone who has been given life by God has been given life because God wants to give that person life. We forget that. We consider some lives more important than others. And yet the simple fact of the matter is that if any one of us has life, nobody twisted God's arm and said you have to do that. And the Lord doesn't do that reluctantly. He does it because he wants your life in this world. And he wants your life to be fruitful, not merely successful, not merely prosperous, but fruitful with the fruit that sustains life. We forget that so easily. But look what a great thing it is that we're saying about ourselves in the light of this word of Jesus. Note how important it is. And this is why then the Lord turns to his disciples and says, and so repent, repent, change your heart that your heart might become ever more fruitful. And now let's pause because our gospel reading in the English translation we're using today cleaned up a couple words. And we need to deal with that. When you fertilize something, especially in the ancient world, you spread manure. Think about that for a second. Let me pile some of this on it. And note the implication. A certain amount of hardship a certain amount of struggle. 
comes to us not because we deserve it, but because it will help us move toward a greater fruitfulness in our lives. How do you prune something? You cut branches off. A certain amount of loss we experience, not merely because we're bad, sinful, and guilty, but because for the plant to become more fruitful, the branches need to be cut back from time to time. But the point is the cutting back is at the service of the growing out. The limiting is at the service of the becoming even more abundant. So the Lord says, don't be so quick to climb into the judgment seat of the Lord. And understand when these things happen, there's more than merely sorrow and suffering or goodness and blessing at work. There's the movement of the gardener trying to prepare us for lives that become ever more fruitful. And the issue is, how do we cooperate with that? And the Lord, then, will show us on that original Good Friday how important this particular teaching is. Note how Jesus redeems the world. He's condemned as a criminal. He's rejected. He's abandoned. He stretches out his arms to bear the wounds of all of the physical pain this world has ever produced and suffered. He receives the mockery of the nations. And he dies in the eyes of the world an utter, abject failure. How many of us would have made that the plan? Note, everything that we say is no good about life, Jesus takes on to himself. Everything that we want to avoid, Jesus takes on to himself and makes his own, and he uses that to save everyone. Because not everyone is successful. Not everyone is famous. Not everyone is wealthy. Not everyone is comfortable. But everybody cries at some point. Everybody suffers at some point. Everybody gets sick at some point. Everybody fails at something sooner or later. That's what we have in common. And the Lord loves us so much, he makes that his own. He saves us by means of it, and so he shows us. In all of those things where we look and say it's a sign that God doesn't love me, Jesus is saying, no, it's a reminder of how much I do love you because I am closer to you there than any place else. And you in your suffering are more like me there than in anything else. One of the things that changed in human history with Christianity is that the wounded, the sick, and the afflicted began to be treated with incredible dignity. 
because the early believers saw in them the face of their Lord who suffered on the cross. And in seeing them in that way, understood those who are limited, those who suffer, those who are diminished, have great value. And they are a treasure, not just for their families, but for the world. What a remarkable change that is. And so it is that we gather here today, some of us struggling more than others, some of us with joys that others do not have, but we're here today. And in just a few minutes, this same Jesus Christ is going to come from this altar to be with us here at the front of the sanctuary. And we're going to come forward because we've been invited. Whether you're sick, whether you're wounded, whether you're struggling, you've been invited to come forward and to stretch out your hands and receive him. And notice, he's not giving you what you deserve. He's giving you him. None of us deserves it, but he gives himself. How marvelous that is. Jesus reminds us, never forget that. The great blessing, the real blessing, is how I come to you. And the fact that you can come forward, stretch out your hands, literally to an infinity of goodness, here in this place. What worldly blessing can compare to that? And at the end of Mass, the instruction is simple. Go, be fruitful. In your sorrow or in your joy, be fruitful. In your laughter or in your tears, be fruitful. In your success, or in your failure, be fruitful. It's a simple thing, but a beautiful thing, and in the end, the only truly necessary thing. Amen.